Have you ever struggled with the concept of evangelism? Ever wondered what to say or when to say it? So have I, and it's likely that I speak for most of us. Come to find out, it's not about notches on a belt, the activities you're involved in or not involved in, and it may be more simple than we've come to believe. What evangelism is not? That's the title of this episode. Let's commit to learning and growing together as we listen in. Welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Rick Shields, and I'm the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. I'm pleased to have Christy Northup joining me on this podcast. Christy and her husband, Wayne, and their three kids live in New Orleans, Louisiana, where they founded Saints Community Church 12 years ago. In addition to being a wife and mother, Christy serves alongside of Wayne as a lead pastor and worship leader at their church. She's also a singer and songwriter, has distributed five CD albums written scores of songs, and is a frequent contributor to Influence Magazine. Christy is an amazing woman, and though I'm a bit partial to her, uh, that's because she's my niece. So, Christy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Christy, you know, I know your father, Mike Shields, pretty well, obviously. We grew up together. But I remember when Jesus got a hold of Mike's life as a teenager. Little known fact, he came into my bedroom shortly after committing his life to Jesus and apologize for not treating me well. Hmm. Then he said something to the effect of, we have to stick together, Rick, and really follow after Jesus. Now, the gift of an evangelist became very evident in his life at that time and continues these many years later. He and your mother, Mona, served as pastors, then missionaries, then statewide youth directors for the Assemblies of God of Minnesota. In the early 90s, they took you and your sister to serve them as missionaries in Chile for 10 years and did evangelism outreaches there. Currently, They serve as the directors of a large ministry in Latin America that provides postgraduate training programs for ministers. All of that to say, you grew up and modeled your life after what you saw lived in front of you. You and Wayne have been evangelists and ministers for years. I recall that Wayne started ministering in New Orleans during Mardi Gras in 1998, and you came along a couple years later. Is that right? I did. He came in, uh, started coming in 98. Just watched the altars at the college we were at and brought a van full of 12 on fire people. And they led like 60 people on the Lord to the Lord on the streets that year. Then he came back the next year and they had like, I don't know, like 80 people. And then by the time we were getting engaged in 2000, there was like 280 that came. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. So uh, my mom said, you know, you should probably uh, go with this guy and go see what he's doing if this is something you think you're going to be part of. So, yeah. So why did you choose to go during Mardi Gras? It seems like such a difficult celebration to minister in. Uh, It's not an easy place or an easy setting, but we've just tried to mostly help people. It's like a lab, like learn how to share their faith in a context where they speak the language and they can just work on sharing their faith. Well, you took teams there for several years. Any idea how many team members joined you on those outreaches? We think we had between four and 5,000 that came all the way up until 2020 was actually the last year that we did it. And most of those were young adults, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And so it was thousands of young adults that came with us and just learned how to share their faith, learned how to moving the gifts and and just many of them had really divine appointments happen and 
it's been cool. And I've been there with you during Mardi Gras. What's interesting is that not all of the people that you reach are from New Orleans. In fact, many of them are in New Orleans. They're there for the party and they go home afterwards. So it's not a matter of have we been growing big churches in New Orleans because of Mardi Gras? The reality is we've been reaching a lot of people because of Mardi Gras. Yeah, it's, you know, especially during during that season and then in that particular area that we've done most of our outreach ministry in the French Quarter is almost entirely people from other parts of the country or other parts of the world, really. I've often said to people when they say, why go to Mardi Gras? And I remind them that scripture says, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And during Mardi Gras, hmm, sin abounds. It does. And, you know, it's different in different parts of the city. But for us, we continue to do it for a few reasons. One is the hostile nature of a lot of the outreach that happens here. We just felt like it didn't really represent the heart of God. And we just wanted to have something that showed the city that maybe a different view of God. And then also that it's important for us to see that and connect with it and really be reminded that like, this is our city. This is what it's built on. This is the brokenness that people come here to live. And it's the reality of of where we are. So we still try to go out and do street ministry during Mardi Gras, even if like most of our ministry is not, you know, in that area in particular anymore. So. Well, in addition to Mardi Gras, you and Wayne crisscrossed the USA and you ministered in other countries and youth and adult evangelistic meetings. Why did that stop? It seemed like it was going so well. It was, you know, really, we had always wanted to church plant. And after Katrina, we did a whole lot of relief work, uh, sent a lot of teams and just felt like the Lord was revealing to us that, I mean, if we were going to church plant, why would we do that anywhere but New Orleans? So we wanted to plant and we wanted to not have, you know, one foot in and one foot out. And so we hung up the most of the traveling, the preaching camps and conventions and school assemblies and all that. But I mean, it definitely laid the foundation for us for planting Saints Community Church. And that's been our main thing ever since. That's a big change. And that took a big step of faith because you had some, you're receiving income from these camps and things where you went and spoke. Suddenly you're not speaking at those camps. You're not traveling and your income had to take a pretty serious hit. That's a big step of faith. What did it take? Think about it. Think deep. What did it take to make that decision? I think it took some really specific words from the Lord and confirmation from people that mattered to us. I mean, my parents, our pastor, just having a sense that like everybody was on the same page and that the Lord just confirmed it in ways over and over. Because I'm not saying you'd have a word for everything. Sometimes, you know, I mean, when Paul saw the man from Macedonia, I mean, he walked like hundreds of miles and he he never found him. But, you know, so sometimes like when you have a word, like expect tribulation. But I'd really rather just go with the peace most of the time. But in that situation, like we really did specifically feel like we'd heard from the Lord that this is what we were supposed to do. So what made it work was a long runway. I mean, we were planning about 18 months out and we ended up, you know, we just carefully planned the sale of our house, transitioning off, raised as much money as we could. And then we jumped in and it was even harder than we had expected. And we did what we had to do. I mean, I worked Starbucks I worked in banking. Um, I had never never worked food service. Like we did what we had to do, and 
we're still here. So I'm pretty grateful to the Lord. He's opened a lot of doors, um, but it was, it's been a faith walk every single day. Let me take a moment, Christy, to remind our listeners that feedback is important to us. I know I say this every week, and I hope you really believe me when I say that. If you have a suggestion for a guest or for a topic, please let us know. You can drop me an email at info at doorways.cc, and we'll work on incorporating that topic or guest into our podcast schedule. We would really appreciate both your feedback and your input. My name is Rick Shields, and I'm joined on this episode with Christy Northup, a wife, mother, singer, songwriter, author, and lead pastor with her husband, Wayne, at Saints Community Church with two locations in Bell Chase and Metairie, Louisiana. We've spoken about the gift of evangelism that was modeled to her and about how she's found that to be incorporated into her ministry, too. But tell us, Christy, what does that gift of evangelism look like to you today? Maybe it's different than what it looked like 20 years ago. What does it look like today? I think it's very different than it was even just 20 years ago. I mean, 20 years ago, there was still a better understanding in the culture of the Bible. You could reference, you know, verses that were fairly well known, or at least concepts, ideas, people, and people kind of had a general understanding of what that was in a lot of parts of the country. I think we are in the middle of a really serious reckoning about what church Christianity, what all of that means in our culture. And so evangelism, where even 20 years ago, there was, it was a big part of churches and faith. There's really been a movement away from it. And that doesn't mean that there's less need or that there aren't people that are still hungry and still seeking. But I think a few things have happened. One is Christianity has American Christianity has kind of embraced this ideal of it looks like this. It looks a certain way. It sounds a certain way. And we've we've made Christianity about a lot of things about, you know, the types of relationships they're in, the the types of activities that they do, the way that they vote, the type of neighborhood they live in. There's just all these things that people associate as being something Christian or not being something Christian, but that has not necessarily drawn more people to Jesus, which is actually what Christianity is about. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important and that they aren't biblical and that they aren't things that people can eventually grow in. But I think part of the key to evangelism now is a few things. It's getting outside of this idea of cultural Christianity and getting back to Jesus. So I think that's one of the pieces. And then the the other piece that's made evangelism difficult is that there was all these, there were several methods that we were still using even in the early 2000s. You know, Ray Comfort had his method of evangelism. You know, he made his movies with Kirk Cameron. We had evangelism explosion and and we had the ABCs and like these things that like we taught kids from the time they were little, just these simple kind of tricks, conversation starters, those types of things. And and we moved away from those methods, which was not a bad thing because it, that just doesn't really quite explain it. But the problem is that now people don't know where to start. They just don't have any idea how to get into a faith conversation or how to bring it up or how to work it in. And so what we have really tried to emphasize is just a clear understanding of what Christianity is. If you ask a believer, what is Christianity? What is it about to you? You might get 50 different responses from 50 people sitting in the same church. Christianity is about a person and an event. 
It is about the person of Jesus and the event of his death and resurrection from the dead and uh, his death on a cross and his resurrection from the dead. And so when we understand that, that disarms a lot of controversy, a lot of anger, frustration, hostility, because that's very simple and it's very hard to, it's it's just not worth arguing. And even people who are hostile to Christianity, hostile to church, ex-evangelical, or some type of, you know, a lot of people from that say that they're atheists often come from some type of Christian background um, and experienced hurt or those kinds of things. But Jesus is actually somebody who people typically don't really have a problem with a lot less than what Christians assume. Jesus is disarming. He's humble. He's kind. He's angry when he needs to be. He is just, he's, he just is just the greatest human being that ever lived. And so when we really just get back to Jesus and who he is and what he did, that is like disarming and very simple. So we kind of, we kind of start there. So is that how you're modeling evangelism? Yeah, I I would say, you know, at the moments that we're able to have conversations with people, faith conversations like that, that is where we start. That's what we say. I think beyond that, there's a tremendous amount of broken trust. Some of them are very real reasons. Others of them are just kind of caricatures of what people think Christianity is. But many, many people where we are have really truly never known a genuine believer. I mean, we're in an area that is about 90% Catholic and by Catholic, very nominal. They don't have the same kind of baggage that you have in, in the Bible belt where it's like evangelical church hurt is different than Catholic church hurt. Um, But regardless, there's just a lot of broken trust. So a lot of it is like, it's a long game. It's a long game of consistently living what you believe, showing people that you are who you say you are. When you screw up, which we inevitably do, going back, apologizing, humility, like not, you know, seeing our faith through the lens of like, well, we have, you know, rights. Yes, we do. And yes, Paul did too. He also like experienced uh, prison floggings, you know, all beatings, stonings. I, I think a, a humble approach to our faith to people that don't share our faith is really important and not just presenting it as, well, you're such a loser because if you don't know this, you can't be free. I mean, all of that is true, but it's like presenting it in a humble way and just living in a humble way that like, yeah, we can actually learn something from people that don't know the Lord and we can have friendships and relationships and, and uh, be in people's lives and still be dedicated on fire Christians so that trust is a long game. And I think helping believers understand that it's it's not about the notch on the belt and scoring a conversion. It's like my neighbor who works for, you know, a guy who owns seven strip clubs. She ran all of the finances. We walked the neighborhood for a long time. And whether or not she ever comes to the Lord. She's she's moved now. Like regardless, she's my friend and I'm there for her and I've learned things from her. And so that, that relationship is not based on her response to the gospel. It's just a relationship. I've read recently a quote, you know, the problem today is that we listen to respond 
instead of listening to understand. And that's often what we've done in evangelism too. We've listened until we can get something back in and pound on them with, rather than listening to understand and care. And I think that's a big difference. I went to your website, uh, saintscommunitychurch.com, and I saw a video with you and Wayne, and I really liked this motto that you said, we're reaching imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus. So how do you do that? That really came from a book that we read right around the time we were planting called No Perfect People Allowed. And, you know, some of it, the topics have changed, but it, it was very helpful to us to just let people be who they are and reach them in that process. So you, you may have heard this, but like it's, it's it can be kind of a catchphrase, but it really is, is true. We We really do let people belong before they believe, whether they believe or not. They can come, they can come to Saints Community, they can be part of the community, they can attend, they can go to small group. I mean, we have a Hindu lady that's been coming for two years or so. And when I say she comes every time the doors are open, I mean, she comes to Friday morning prayer. We've prayed with her, you know, many times, but like she's in a small group, she's in relationship. We've just put too many strings on even just outside of the church. I don't have the expectation that someone who does not share my faith would share my values. So because of that, it really frees me to love them and them to like be who they really are and just open up my heart to them. That is different than believing in Jesus. So what the hope is, is that people come to a place where they believe, they believe that Jesus came, lived as a person, came from heaven and gave his life for us and was resurrected from the dead. And when people begin to believe in Jesus and who he is, and and then we humbly submit everything that we are, everything that we aren't to him, that begins the process of becoming like Jesus. So that's really kind of the, you know, what we're, what we're trying to hopefully see people do, because that's where they really find freedom. And that's where they find healing and, and learn how to be in healthy relationships and learn how to be people of integrity and all those things. So, you know, letting them belong and then really presenting a, a genuine gospel and then discipling people to become like Jesus. I'm confident there are people listening to this podcast, Christy, that don't know how to share their faith with somebody. It could be a friend, could be a coworker, a neighbor, family member, but they aren't sure or they lack the courage to share their faith. But I know people are just, they're afraid or just unable to figure out how to do it. As we conclude our time, maybe give us some ideas, some simple steps of just how to do that, and then maybe pray that the Lord will give them the words, the confidence, the opportunity for such an important conversation take place. You know, I think a couple of really simple things. One is, I had someone tell me this years ago, and boy, it sure helped me. She said, you know, I just always talk about the Lord like people know him. <laughs> that was That just helped me so much. And I do that all the time. I'll just say, you know, I just wasn't sure, and I just felt like the Lord really showed me, and man, God has been so good to us, or just talking about him like people know him made it easier for me to just start kind of putting my toe in the water and start talking about God all the time because it just flows out of me. It's just part of who I am. And then the other thing is like, just offer prayer. We don't know all the solutions, all the answers, but sometimes in just in prayer, like God can really reveal himself and show himself. And so I often, especially when I don't know what to do, I don't know what to say. I just offer to pray for people. If I'm, you know, was with coworkers, I offered to pray. If I'm, 
you know, at um, I was at the grocery store last week and the, I just could tell that the, the lady behind the cashier was just on the verge of tears. And so I just said, what, tell me what's going on. And she said, my husband is doing drugs. Eyes just welled up with tears. And I just reached across, grabbed her hand and just quietly prayed like a 15 second prayer. And, uh, you know, that just makes it easier to start just living our faith without it being this like worked up, like I got to have this big conversation, just kind of easing into it. And it just kind of becoming a more natural part of what we say and what we do. And so much easier to go back a few days later and say, just want to let you know, I've been praying with you the last or praying for you the last few days. How are things, how are things going? It just opens that door in a whole new way. Yes, for sure. Lord, I just thank you for the people that have been listening to this this long because there's something in their heart that they they want to share and i just pray that you would help them to extend themselves in friendship and pursue friendship with people who don't know you and be friends with them just because and that they would just begin to just mention you and talk about you like people know you and that you would really open up divine appointments i pray that people would be so pleasantly surprised by which people that seemed impossible would really actually want to talk about this and want to come to a relationship with you. And I just thank you because you are the one who does it, Lord. We aren't, we don't convict. We aren't the Holy Spirit. You do it and you you give us the words and you give us the gifts. And I just pray that people would just begin to step out and and just offer Jesus, just him, Lord. I just ask it in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our podcast and will follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. And please consider sharing it with a friend. Until next time, this is Rick Shields. And on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, here's my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after him 